this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to The Reluctant Agilist. Today, Scott Ambler is here, and I'm psyched because I haven't been able to check in with Scott in a while, and he's been busy for the past, it's almost two years now, right, since you switched over. Yeah, yeah, we, we switched over uh, in uh, August of 2019 uh, right. to mine. Yeah, so if you're not familiar, Scott is the, I'm going to, I just want to say this out loud because it's a long, crazy title, Vice President and Chief Scientist of Disciplined Agile at PMI. And I'm wondering how many people have you had to explain that to at PMI? Yeah, well, <laughs> not many, actually. It, it's been a bit surprising, but uh, every so often people say, yep, what the heck is a chief scientist? And I don't, still don't have an answer for that. So <laughs> <laughs> It sounds badass, though. It does. Yeah, I just leave it at that. It's like, yeah. <laughs> so um, before we get into our, our main topic, would you mind sharing just a little bit of your background so folks can understand like where you came from and why you're in this role at PMI? Yeah, definitely. So along with Mark Lyons, I'm the co-creator of the Disponential Toolkit. And basically at the very beginning of the Agile movement, uh, I got involved. I knew most of the, most of the people that uh, wrote the original uh, manifesto for Agile software development. And I explored the several issues that you know really weren't all that sexy at the time, and, and arguably still aren't. But um, you know, how do you how do you go about modeling and documentation in an agile manner? So um, from that, where I led the development of the agile modeling method, uh, you know, in the early very early two thousands, and also you know, how do you approach data aspects to agile software development? So you know, how do you do database refactoring and testing and good stuff like that? And that led to the development of the agile data method. So, and I was also at the time doing work, uh, helping organizations to basically um, do what's now called business agility. So we, um, we developed uh, in the consulting company I, I was working for at the time, developed something called the Enterprise Unified Process, which uh, really was all about business agility, but it was, it was strange because it was, it, it was a bit too early. And when we wrote the EUP book after you know, bringing it to several organizations, we uh, purged the word agile for the most part from the book. The publisher didn't want to, to talk about agility um, because at, at that level, at the, you know, the enterprise architecture and uh, portfolio management and uh, governance levels at all, they, they just you know, were afraid that the book would go nowhere, so, um, which was very unfortunate. Uh, but you know, it was what it was. And then I joined IBM and I was the chief methodologist for IT for, uh, for the IBM rational division for many years. And out of that work came what, uh, what was originally called Discipline Agile Delivery, which addressed the issue of how do you do agile software development from beginning to end and all aspects of it. So many of the aspects that you know, the, the scrum folks were just sort of leaving up to you, or you know, they would naively say, oh yeah, I just need to do XP. Uh, along the scrum. And, and certainly that's a good idea, but it, it, it also isn't sufficient. And there was a lot of stuff that was missing from that, from that answer. So we developed, Mark Lines and I developed Dispin Agile Delivery and then formed a company around that, the, what eventually became the Dispin Agile Inc. And over the years, we, ex, you know, we added in uh, DevOps, like enterprise class DevOps, and how do you approach IT at a uh, you know at a, at a uh, in in an agile and enterprise manner, and of course you know business agility. So we got back to where uh, EUP was without using any of the uh, unified process terms because the agile community was just you know completely against RUP and all, all that good sort of stuff back in the day, uh, which was unfortunate for them, but uh, you know it was what it was. So and then in August of 2019, 
um, PMI purchased Dismanagil uh, as along with uh, Al Shalloway's company, Net Objectives, which had uh, a lot of great IP, including the uh, Flex uh, method for value streams. And then we integrated Flex into DA and expanded upon it, which is now what we're bringing to market is uh, Dismanagil. All right. Thank you. I want to try to set some context for some of this stuff um, for people that maybe aren't familiar with all the history. So, and you jump in and correct me if I get any of this wrong, because I'm speaking to this as somebody who has, I would say, historically a layman's understanding. Um, What you came up with, what you and Mark came up with was the first coherent response to the scaling question within the Agile community. Because every, everything I was hearing about back then was just like you said, it was like do Scrum and you can mix in some XP or you can go do Lean, but those people really don't want to talk to anybody who's not doing Lean. Um, and the only option for scaling in Scrum was Scrum of Scrum of Scrum of Scrum of Scrum of Scrum of Scrums. And that's not wasn't really enough to get the job done. It was not enough at all, no. Um, and then PMI has a, a long powerful history with IBM because that is one of the main ways that the PMB became such a significant thing throughout the universe was the adoption at IBM of, of that approach, that certification, right? Yeah, definitely. Plus, and in many other industries, like certainly in the IT industry, um, IBM was a, um, was and is a great partner. But the, you know, if you look at the construction, like the physical construction industry, yeah. um, the PMP is, is uh, very, very important. So there's a, a great wealth of material and, and uh, knowledge uh, at, at PMI. Yeah. And it's very, very, it, it's, it's eye-opening. And it's interesting for me because we are applying, you know, we're applying Agile in the construction industry now. And we're, we're um, and other people are too, it's not just us, of course, but Certainly, you know, there's a lot of great opportunity to learn from the traditional community. And that's always been part of Dispen Agile. And Dispen Agile has always been a hybrid. And, you know, we've adopted great ideas from a very wide range of sources. I mean, particularly Agile and Lean, of course, but also the the traditional world as well. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I just, to me, those two things are important to consider in having this conversation because there's a, there's a, a historical relationship that's part of it. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say that before you and, and Alan Challoway got there, there was a bit of a struggle within PMI to establish a credible footprint in the Agile space. You bring that credibility to the conversation. Now we see the PMBOK evolving. It's going to include Agile, and that's coming out fairly soon, correct? Yeah, it's, it's coming out in uh, this summer, in August, actually. Okay. So this is the, 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 one of the things that I, I wanted to see how you would react to this, and we didn't talk about this beforehand, is... When I am in class and people ask if they should still get PMP certification, I always say that it's a valuable thing. But what I am want, I am, it gives me like a little spark of hope. If this continues to grow the way it has been, then being a professional project manager who is skilled and experienced in agile and traditional project management could become a norm as opposed to a rarity, which it's like, it's when I came up, you had to be one or the other. The idea of putting all these things together in the same way that you've brought in things from other fields, um, that to me just makes people that are stronger at this job, at, the, at this work of helping people get stuff done. Exactly. I, I completely agree with that. The, you know, if you see the, what's going on in the marketplace, you know, we need greater flexibility. But at the same time, we also need greater resilience. If, you know, one thing we've learned from COVID, 
uh, is that you know we do need to think about the future and we do need to plan a bit and um, set up environments where we can you know easily easily change and evolve. And that means we need to be a little more mature and robust than perhaps what many in the agile community want. But at the same time, we also need to be a little more flexible and collaborative than many in the traditional community would want. So we really do need to meet in the middle. And this is certainly something we've been doing in DA for a long time. And it's certainly something that we're seeing in the in the new release of the PIMBOK guide. Um, you know, the real goal is not to be agile or to be traditional or to be lean. It's to be effective. And if that means, you know, and depending on the situation I currently find myself in, I might be a little more agile, um, you know, in that situation. But in another situation, I might lean a little more towards this, the serial uh, ways of working. So it yeah. really does depend. And the people who are going to be effective in, in practice will be the ones who are flexible and pragmatic rather than dogmatic. Yeah. And I think the ones who can find different ways to create a mashup of these different practices. I mean, like when I'm doing Scrum, I still have a risk register. I still have a risk meeting every week. Um, and I want to have whip limits on everything I'm doing yeah. in Scrum too. So all that stuff just helps me become more effective and help my clients more. And this that open-minded approach, I think, is like, you know, you mentioned the results of the pandemic and how that's affected all of us. To me, it's just one more knock on the door reminding everybody you have to be open-minded and consider everything and not just like shut yourselves off to one option. Exactly. And, and what you just described is a, is a hybrid world. And I think we we really do need to recognize that. And it's it's interesting that purists on both sides of the fence really sort of struggle with that as a concept. And they they seem to struggle with even observing what they're actually doing. So, you know, it, it, it's, which has always been a shock to me. You know, I'll get the, I'll get into these incredibly naive conversations and they, you know, people say, oh, we're doing this and I, and I know, okay, yes, you might be doing that, but you're probably also doing 20 other things to make that, that work. And yeah. when you also talk about those 20 other things and, and you, it'll be interesting, like the, you know, you'll see the scrum purists, for example, they'll, you know, some of them will be, will absolutely thrash on the concept of, you know, whether they're doing any upfront planning and, and modeling work and, you know, just getting your act together type stuff, like, you know, typical project initiation things. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, and then you'll ask them, well, wait, you know, and they'll say, oh, no, we're not doing any of that at all. That's, that's not part of scrum. Okay. Okay. It might not be part of scrum, but are you doing it? And, oh, no, we're not doing it. Really? You didn't do any upfront planning. Oh, well, yeah, we had to because we had to get funding. Okay, so you yeah. got upfront planning. No, we didn't. <laughs> no, you just told me you did. No, no, I didn't. But I get funding. Well, we had to do some upfront requirements and do this and this and this. Okay, so you did you did upfront work. No, we didn't. It's like, oh, come on, right? <laughs> like, it's like they um, have the shame of not yeah, being purists. Yeah, but and then the traditionalists are, you know, are coming from the other extreme. You know, they'll you know I'll often run into people in the construction industry that will will say, oh, we're not doing agile at all. It doesn't make any sense for us. You know, all that sort of stuff. And then you'll say, well, wait a minute. Have you been on a construction site lately? Well, what do you mean? Well, it's like you know, do they you know do they do stand ups every day? Oh yeah, of course, it's very common. You know, does the plan evolve? You know, are they you know is there you know is there some sort of foreman on the site or you know chief architect on the site or you know whatever the title is. Um, updating the plans as the work evolves because, you know, just because it's on the plan doesn't mean the construction guys are actually doing it, right? Um, you know, they, they might be putting pipes somewhere else because it's more convenient or makes more sense or yeah. electrical wiring might be going somewhere else because the plumbers didn't follow the plan, right? You know, you know, whatever the story is. And, oh, yeah, of course, that happens all the time. Okay, so on the ground, you're actually reasonably agile in practice. Oh, no, we're not. 
oh, come on. <laughs> like, so, you know, it's like, you know, if you ever watch any of those, uh, you know, construction, uh, t- you know, the, the home reno shows on, yeah. on TV, it's always a nightmare when you're, you know, now first they're picking, you know, they're picking the uh, examples, but you know, you're working on a wall and who knows what's behind that wall. Right. Yeah. Um, certainly not what was planned. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, come on. Right. So that's one of the things that's so appealing to me about the approach that you take and that, uh, that offering of, you choose the way that you, you know, your way of working, um, whatever's best suited for your situations. Do you find that people coming from the project management community are more open to that because they have less exposure to this agile camp or another agile camp? In many ways I do. So I think, I find, I think the real issue is the people who are practical and pragmatic, you know, the people that are on the ground um, doing the work, Right. And I think, you know, they're more connected to, you know, the pragmatic realities that get faced. Um, and then, then it becomes an issue of just walking them through what they're at, you know, what's actually going on as opposed to what they hoped um, would go on. So, and I think that that's a, it's critical to observe, just observe what's really going on, which is what we've always done in DEA. And it's fairly common for people to change their to learn, to, to experiment. The, re, the reality changes, right? You know, we're constantly in, you know, we're in a VUCA world, you know, the usual rhetoric around that, but it's true. And we, things change rapidly and you need to respond. And that means you're going to change your ways of working. It means you're going to experiment, you're going to learn and things will get better. And in DA, we, we teach you how to do that effectively. And I think one of the, you know, one of the big challenges that I find with a lot of, you know, agile coaches, well, and, and particularly with scrum coaches, is that they, they make stuff up. And there's this, there's this, and it's fun, you know, I, I fully, fully understand why, but they don't have the humility to understand that, you know, they currently face problems that other people have already solved. And or at least, you know, at least <laughs> have solved very similar problems in the past, right? So they start. So instead of like doing a little bit of research or you know doing a, you know just being a little better read, um, they they instead start you know making stuff up and experiment with new techniques, and that's fun. Like I fully understand why, but it's not appropriate. And you know we get all this rhetoric around failing fast, and you know and certainly failing fast is better than failing slowly, but it's still failing. Yeah. And so then we have rhetoric around, well, it's not really failing because we're learning something. Yes, but you know what? You're if learning you're, something we already know. <laughs> you're, you're learning something that we already know. And instead of fooling around for weeks, running an experiment that you didn't need to run, because if you'd just done like five minutes of reading, yeah. um, you could have avoided that. Then I don't care how f- fast you failed. It was way too fast to be, it was way too slow, and no matter what you did. And I think this is, and this is what we do in DA, right? We, we, instead of telling you what to do, like the frameworks do, we instead say, Hey, you know what, this is what you need to think about. And here are some options. And here's how you choose between those options, because I don't know what situation you're in. I, I can't tell you what a best practice is for your situation because I don't know your situation, but I can tell you, here's a bunch of practices. Here's a bunch of strategies that might be applicable. And here are the trade-offs. So why don't you choose the best strategy for you in the situation you face and experiment with that? So you, you still might choose wrong. You know, stuff happens. You're, you're, you're human. Right. But the reality is, is you'll choose to experiment with things that have a much greater chance of success. So you'll fail less often. And so this is something we call guided continuous improvement. So where, you know, continuous improvement tends to be a bit random or a completely reliant 
on the, the skill of whoever's identifying the technique with a little bit of, of knowledge and, you know, just a little bit of understanding of how to traverse the toolkit, the, you know, the disponential toolkit, yeah. um, you can dramatically increase your chance of, of choosing a better, a better strategy and succeed more often. So you'll improve faster and cheaper. Um, so it's a, it's a very coherent thing, but you need to, you need to have the humility to understand that you face problems that you know, many other people have already solved. So why don't, why don't we leverage their learnings and, and get ahead of the game? Yeah, it's weird how, I mean, as, as you were talking, I was thinking about, I mean, I completely agree with you that there's lots of answers that we don't even bother to look for, but that's because so many of us have decided, well, there's nothing I can learn over there and shut ourselves off to the possibility that there might be some value over there. And maybe somebody already figured out the answer to this problem. The other thing I was thinking was, you're talking about the Scrum community, and I consider myself probably a member of that community. We do tend to rename things just to make them, it feels like we're doing it to make it more confusing so we can go yeah. solve the problem. Which, if you're a consultant, I mean, there's some value in that. You're going <laughs> to plenty well, yeah, of work exactly. to do. <laughs> that's, a great, that's a great marketing team. And to be fair, you know, if you read the original Scrum literature, they purposely re renamed everything um, to send a message out that this is different. And, and yeah. fair enough, that was a that was a good decision. But um, but that was a purposeful decision. It's still a quite, perhaps questionable, but that was a purposeful decision. Um, if you're renaming things because you didn't know the names of the existing things to begin with, yeah. um, because you didn't even shame know on it, you, shame on you, yeah. Um, or if you're or, you know, um, and, and the real, one of the unfortunate challenges I find with a lot of uh, practitioners is because they're in this new made up language land, which is what they're in, um, they don't even know how to search for things now, right? Because if, 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 if you just know Scrum terminology, because that's what you got on your, on your little certification class, yeah. um, you, you are suddenly locked in. It's a wonderful marketing thing for the Scrum guys, but you are now locked in. You've, got, you've, you've purposely put blinders on and you are effectively pretty much unable to, to find other ideas. And, and this is one of the reasons why we see so much reinvention of the wheel in the Agile community and, and people honestly believing that they've come up with new, new ideas. Whereas it's, you know, like 99% of the time, it's a, a slightly different flavor of a technique from 20, 30, 40 years ago, but they just don't know it because they didn't, simply didn't have the background to do a search to, to go and check up on what they're doing. Um, and that's a real shame. I, I was actually a couple of years ago, I was, uh, I was giving a, a presentation at, a, at an Agile conference and the keynote speaker just, just offended me. And, you know, usually I don't do this, but I, I just, I had to go after him. And because he is. You need to also mention that you're Canadian and that's not something Canadians do, right? I know. Usually, <laughs> usually we're pretty nice unless, you know, you've insulted hockey or something yeah. and you've got a serious problem. But, Insult or, or, rush. You know, Tried to, you know, insulted <laughs> our donuts or something, and the or you know tried to give us beer without alcohol in it. Oh, I'm sorry, American. Actually, Americans have very good craft beer now, so it's all it's all good. <laughs> um, but the uh, but yeah, no. So, anyways, it, it, it was a good talk. But basically, the talk was along the lines of, you know, I've been working at this organization for a couple of years, and we're doing all this really cool stuff, and they were. Um, and here's what here's what we've come up with. Here's these new techniques that we came up with. Blah 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 blah. Right? And and there was all good ideas. Like you know, to be fair, um, you know, if you didn't really know what was going on, it was it was a great keynote. Um, unfortunately, none of it was new. 
Like absolutely not if it was new. And in my talk, um, you know, a, you know, a little later on the day, I said, you know, I, I took five minutes and I said, you know what, this person you know, told us about this technique and this technique and this technique and this technique. Let me show you where they are on the DA toolkit. And, and I said, hey, look at this diagram. <laughs> we called it something different because that's what it was originally called by, you know, so-and-so who came up with it 17 years ago. Yeah. And look, it's this technique. This was come up with, you know, by this, by this group in the 80s. And this is what they called it back then. Right. And I said, and I said, you know, it was a great keynote, but um, nothing was new there. And, 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 the, and the reason why it offended me so much because the audience was lapping it up. They're going, oh, my God, this is so great. And there's all this buzz at the conference of how awesome this you know, all these really cool things this team was doing and none of it was new. Um, none of it was new. Um, and it was a real shame, but they, you know, they would, you know, I'm sure a new methodology would have come out of it, uh, you know, at some point, but uh, you know, but, that but there's also, there's, I mean, cause I run into this problem occasionally when I'm trying to research like something, I, a thing that happened to me recently, I was doing a presentation about product goal, which is such a new change in the scrum guide. And I started wanting to find the original version of those five layers of planning in Agile, which mm -hmm. I had the picture of, but it took me like two weeks to find where it came from. And there is no source. I mean, there's no one place where you can go and say like, okay, well, where does invest come from? Or what was a story point originally? Or, you know, why do we have whip? Like there's no, unless yeah. you know somebody who knows, there's no way to find it. Yeah, and and that so in DA we're we're trying to uh, trying to solve that problem, and you know we do our best to you know provide references back um, when we can find them. Um, probably one of your better bets was Mike Cohn's uh, planning and estimation book, although I think a lot of those ideas came from elsewhere. But he 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 gathered them up um, and and certainly added some really great stuff. Yeah. But um, the but yeah, you're right, and it's. And, and, and sometimes, too, the big problem is, you know, several people um, create the ideas and, you know, identify the ideas in parallel and all sort of publish at once. And um, then it's sort of hard to track down who, you know, what the original source was. And, yeah. Um, and sometimes it's just, you know, you know, lost in, you know, you know, lost in the ether as well, you know, in the historical ether. But, um, yeah. It's, Unless it's, you know, and then you feel extra cool. Well, yeah, and, and it's, it's like or, or extra nerdy is the case. Yeah, yeah, but, um, yeah. But it, it, it's it's really hard, and but it also says that if people don't don't even know to go look in many yeah. cases, right? Like at least you went and looked and researched. And it's hard, and you know, it is hard to track some of these ideas down. Um, you know where where the original source was, um, but yeah, at least you're doing it, and that's yeah. that's that's good. Puts you on oh. top of the stack, yeah. All right, so I want to I want to ask you about the new stuff because yeah. I know there's new certifications. You've got e-learning stuff coming on. You got a bunch of webinars. So what are all the new things? Yeah, so I think so. so some of the the more exciting things in the DA community right now are um, some of the certs that we've been bringing out, and so I guess this is probably the best way to look at it. So um, over the last year or so, we've announced and then brought out uh, several certifications, and we're we're still um, just wrapping up that overall release cycle right now. But um, we have four, uh, well, we actually have five um, Agile certifications at uh, PMI. Um, the original ACP, um, which, has been, which, which is great. It's, it's a really solid cert that's been around for several years. It's gonna, it, you know, it's not going anywhere. Um, you know, we're gonna be, you know, we're not replacing it or getting rid of it if, if any 
if any of you fear that. Um, but what we've done is we've added four certifications uh, based on Disciplin Agile. Um, and some of it, you know, you know, for all my complaining about the Scrum community, you know, we are respectful of Scrum. So the, the first two, well, the first one is the, the Disciplin Agile Scrum Master. And this is like sort of a Scrum Plus type of a cert where you learn, you know, th- some of it through your own learning, some of it through a workshop. Um, you learn about um, applying Scrum and Lean in practice. Um, you learn about um, how to traverse the toolkit as well. So it really teaches you fundamental skills for how to improve, you know, well, how Agile works, Agile and Lean work in general, um, and looking at from both a project and a, pro- and a product mindset, but also, you know, how do you traverse the toolkit and how do you apply the toolkit to learn and to at least start learning at the individual level as well as at the team level and be actively involved with process proven within your team. Then the second cert, um, and so the DASM is more of a, a, a cert for beginners. Okay. Um, second certification, the Discipline Agile Senior Scrum Master, is um, you need to have several years of experience in Agile. You uh, need to also, uh, and then on that, what you learn is um, you know, more enterprise class Agile, but also, and you know, it's, and it goes far beyond Scrum as well. So you know, one of the one of the one challenges is that it's not just you know, um, is from a marketing point of view, is it's not just Scrum that, that you're learning, but most importantly, you learn how to lead process improvement at the team level and maybe across several related teams, like in a, in a okay. small program, for example. Um, and that that's really critical because that and it, it helps you break out of the agile mindset and really start. Um, being more pragmatic and and looking at you know um, more of a hybrid type of a solution. Um, so you, you using the right technique for the situation that you're in rather than you know being a purist. Um, then building on that is the disponential coach. And this is where it starts to get really interesting because we go beyond and that that uh, certification is coming out in June. It's the it's the last one that we're bringing out. Um, the and that but that certification is interesting because it teaches you um, to coach at the uh, across disparate teams. So you might be in there coaching, you know, you know, a collection of software development teams, or you might, you might've been brought in to, to coach the marketing team to become more agile. But the challenge is, is that, you know, whatever team that, you know, teams that you're being brought in to coach, they are collaborating with other very different teams. So my right. software development team might have to collaborate with the finance team to get funding. And the finance team has a very different mindset than than a software development team. Oh wow, that's really interesting. Background um, might not be quite as agile, might not believe in this agile stuff, and yet you know they still might be doing annual budgeting and all that extra stuff, for example. Um, And yet we still have to go to them for funding to get our project kicked off, for example, right? So if they're misaligned with what we're doing, and vice versa, right? Because you know if you're misaligned, it's you know both sides of the fence on that one, yeah. um, then, you know, how, how do we overcome that problem? How do we decide together what techniques to experiment with in order to break this log jam, basically, maybe, you know, become a little more flexible on the finance side and maybe a little more hybrid or a little more traditional on the agile side, but still better overall. Or what happens when there's like three or four teams involved? Maybe, you know, maybe we have to, um, you know, maybe we want to hire some people or bring some people in as contractors. So suddenly, you know, we got to get money from the finance folks. We got to work with the HR folks to, you know, do some sort of a, you know, hire some agile people. And we got to work with the procurement folks in order to put a contract to hire the right type of people for the situation that we're in probably fairly quickly. 
So here we've got four disparate teams yeah. with you know very different views of the universe, very different priorities, and yet we have to collaborate together. So as a coach, how the heck do I do that? And this and the challenge becomes one of if I don't understand finance, the finance people aren't going to listen to me. End yeah. of story, right? So how do we? So the, so how do you leverage the discipline agile toolkit? in order to coach in those situations, because those are the types of situations that are really holding organizations back. And if you go in with the, you know, the rah, 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 you know, it's all about software development and everybody else's stupid attitude, um, it's not going to work out so well for you as a coach, which is why, and which is what we're seeing in many organizations. Um, the agile folks just aren't getting past that agile glass ceiling. <laughs> right? All right. I want to jump in now. I can't, I can't yeah. contain it anymore. Good. So what you, the example you just gave of the accounting thing is something that has bugged me for a really long time. I, and I don't remember it specifically being part of what I went through when I was preparing for the PMP or when I was teaching it. But as a project manager learning that, I had to figure out how to work the entire system to get stuff done, including the parts that were not related directly, like accounting. How do I get in with those people? How do I engineer things so that I can get the results I need? That was part of what I was expected to know how to do as a project manager. On the Agile side, I found that it was like, nope, everybody's got to do this. Do it this way. That's it. We're all, yeah. They're all going to switch. And I was like, that's not the universe that we live in. <laughs> like, I don't I don't get that. And so that's been something that I'm glad to hear you talk about it that, that I feel like has been lacking. And I I want to ask you about the coaching thing because to me, this sounds like taking somebody who's working in agile coaching teams or maybe coaching at a larger scale and filling in the gaps of whether you want to call it system thinking or social engineering or whatever yeah. else, all the stuff they have to be able to do to work the system to get the results they want. But this sounds different to me than like a Lisa Adkins type of coaching. Thing. Exactly. So, and, and what we do is we highly suggest that you, you know, go through, um, you know, the Lisa Adkins type coaching courses, because there's a lot of great coaching um, stuff out there, but it's about coaching in general. And it's, and, and it's all very critical, important skills but there's also the specific knowledge you need to interact with other teams. And, um, you know, so, and the challenge is, you know, if you look at it from the finance point of view and you, you get these agile coaches coming in and say, well, you know, we need to, you know, the only way to do things is with, you know, you know with the you know, time materials um, funding or, you know, you know, whatever, right. You know, right. you know, whatever one technique they know about. And it's, it's like listening to a chihuahua. It's like this yappy little dog annoying you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, time materials. And it's like go away, like you know, yeah, you yeah. know, whatever, you know, go go back to the children's table, right? That's basically <laughs> the response that you get yeah. from the groups, right? And fair enough. You, Those, that you children's table is filled with some pretty uppity children, though. Yeah, yeah, they're uppity <laughs> children, but so what, right? It's still a bunch of children, you know, that think they know what they're talking about, and yeah. the adults are listening, going, "Yeah, that's cute," um, and uh, yeah, whatever, you know, yeah, 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 go, you know. Go, go go play with some po here's some po here here's some purple post-it notes. Oh my god, purple post-it notes. And suddenly they're <laughs> distracted and you hear from never hear from them again, right? So so this is the challenge. So you're absolutely right. Like you've got to you, you've got to understand this the bigger picture if you want to play in the bigger picture. And yeah. you understand what the priorities are and what their language is. And I, I don't expect you to be a finance expert. That that's naive, but you can't go in knowing exactly zero, uh, which is what most of these coaches do, or, you know, no, you know, go in knowing one thing of the myriad of, of, uh, you know, great stuff about finance. Um, so then, and then the, the next, you know, the next roundup, so the, the fourth 
you know, the, you know, the fourth uh, certification is what we call the Dismanagile Value Stream Consultant. And that's looking at um, value stream. So how do you optimize the entire value stream? So it goes beyond, um, you know, coaching across a, a handful of disparate teams to, well, how do we make the entire value stream work? And how do we coach and, and consult at the enterprise level for this systemic and, and systems, you know, systems thinking point of view? How does it all fit together? And because it's not, you know, even like in that, you know, getting a handful of teams working to solve a, you know, solve a, an immediate problem. You know, that's critical. That's absolutely important. But you know, there's still the bigger picture, long-term picture. How does it all work, and how do we tune and tweak the uh, the value stream as the situation changes? And how do we, um, you know, how do we um, improve upon whatever's going on now? Because all these organizations, you know, you're, you know, whatever you're doing, you've got these value streams which you may or may not recognize as value streams, but you've got them up and running. And there's probably opportunities to improve things and to streamline them, become more effective. Yeah. Um, you may be working in a traditional manner. You may be working in you know some sort of safe shop or less shop or whatever. Um, but regardless of your starting point, you can always improve and you can always get better. And this is what we teach you in DA. It's all about how do you actually become a learning organization? So it's not about adopting a framework. It's, you know, and adopting a framework like safe or less or scrum, that might be a great start, you know, without a doubt, it can be a good start, but it's not your ending point. And it's certainly not your ending point. And what you really want to do is become more like the Amazons and the Googles and the Ebays of the world, which are learning organizations. And that means that's a different set of skills in adopting a framework. So, and the frameworks won't tell you how to evolve past the framework. That, that would be phenomenally bad for their business model. Um, whereas in DA, you know, our, our approach is, well, we're, you know, we're trying to teach you the higher level skills. How do you improve? How do you, you know, how do you improve the team level at the, um, at the organizational, level, the value stream level across teams? And so the different certs are teaching you different, um, levels of improvement skills. Um, so you, that way you can become a learning organization and, and, you know, continually get better because the reason why the Amazons of the world are so awesome is because they've been improving in sometimes in some cases for decades and they, they improve in small steps. And this is why they're so far ahead of us now is because they've just been doing it for longer. And in DA, we, uh, you know, we're teaching you how to, you know, not only how to do that, but how to, you know, how to hopefully, uh, uh, you know, shorten the gap between you and some of your competitors that have been improving for longer than you. Yeah. So I want to try to draw some, a little bit of context around it. So I have one of the things when Jesse Fuel and I have talked about this stuff in the past, I've said that to me, when I think about like a PMP, right, that's like somebody studying classical music. You learn these particular yeah. techniques, you get really good at them. Um, but agile is like jazz because you have to be able to do all different kinds of things. And what you're teaching would be the equivalent of many different styles of jazz so yep. that you can then pick the ones that you need for that particular moment. And I think for anybody in this path as a professional, if you really want to always have a gig, you can play cl classical and jazz. You need to be able to do both. And so studying this as a craft, all this stuff is just making you more valuable with everything you learn. That, that's exactly it. And, and that's, it, it really, it's about working smarter and it's about, uh, it's about, it's, it's about learning, it's about improving, it's about doing the right thing in the right situation. Um, because you, you want to become a change maker. You, you really yeah. want to be in a position where, you know, you can be seen as somebody like a go-to person that can help and that can get the job done. 
and, and help others as well. So it's not only about you, it's really about collaborating and sharing and learning together and improving together. And you know, DA, you know, really does focus on those sorts of skills. So, and, and these are the skills that will last you a lifetime. Um, yeah, that's, that's absolutely critical. Cool. Um, I want to ask you about, since you arrived at PMI, what kind of change have you seen in them as they are around more agility and more people that understand it? Have you seen an evolution within the organization? Yeah, definitely. You know, we're, we are, we're actively uh, improving and we're actively, you know, learning from Agile and Lean. Um, you know, some of my team, like I, I head up the IP team uh, or the Dispin Agile IP team okay. um, to be more accurate. And we, you know, some of our, some of my folks, you know, particularly Al Shalloway, but um, you know, myself and sometimes Mark Lyons and a few others, you know, we'll coach and mentor other teams um, internally within PMI because they'll come to us with issues or, or you know, they'll come to us with, with, with you know, what they believe to be um, a good way of working. And sometimes it is. And they say, hey, you know, you know this is what we're doing. And, uh, and they'll just be working with us normally. And we'll say, you know what, maybe we could try this. You know, you know why don't we... You know, why don't we tweak this and see what happens and, and improve? So, um, you know, we've been we've been doing some internal consulting that way, and um, and you know, team and it's not just us. Like everybody is actively trying to get better. Um, you know, certainly COVID has made things a little tougher tougher for everybody yeah. you know, the last year or so. But um, you know, we've been we've been improving um, very dramatically, actually. You know, because I've been I've been at PMI now for almost two years. Well, you yeah. call it a, a little more than a year and a half. And um, it's definitely a different organization than, than when I arrived, and uh, and we're still getting better, um, still improving. So it's it's very exciting to see. Um, it's good. It's I mean, yeah. it's as somebody who's got a long history with them, it's an organization that uh, wasn't, and I and I think I don't think anybody would <laughs> disagree with what I'm saying. It's not an organization that was given to rapid and frequent change. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> And yeah, I'll probably get in trouble for saying this, but in, in some parts of the organization, it's still like that. You know, we and, and to be fair, and, and but and rightfully so. So, for example, if you look yeah. at some of the publications, um, you know, these are industry standards. You, you just don't randomly change an industry standard because right. you, you know something better, right? There's a you know, we, we've got to follow the ANSI process and and all that good sort of stuff, and rightfully so. Um, the the marketplace expects and will demands that, not just expects it, they demand it. And um, and that's that's a very good thing. You don't want ANSI standards changing um, instantaneously just because oh we hired Scott Ambler, therefore we've got to write rewrite all right. the ANSI standards. Um, that's probably not a good idea. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so, they, they, and 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 each one of those things solves a specific problem that was in existence when those things were created. Agile solving different problems. So the more yeah. of the stuff you know, the more problems you can solve. Exactly, and what's interesting? So you know, I've been I've been coming up to speed on the on the wealth of of uh, material that that um, PMI has, and, and and you know, we'd already you know long before PMI, um, we'd already been leveraging you know some of the some of the great stuff um, out of PMI. But what's interesting is every time you know we we decide you know so re- recently we were working on risk management. You, you know, it's interesting you mentioned risk management earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, we we decided to jump in on that and um, you know, really sort of flesh it out a bit more in DA to make sure we we're um, you know really really hitting on running on all cylinders on that one, and so we went to the you know we went to the the risk management um, standards and yeah and it was and it was one of those things where it's like yeah I sort of 
you know, I'm a bit leery sometimes. It's like, oh man, what's this thing going to be like? Well, there's um, scary people. I mean, I know this. <laughs> people, yeah, the standards uh, people are scary. Yeah, but but what's interesting? It's like the standard's really solid. Yeah, and so is and, and the government standard too, right? But a year ago, I you know, I, I jumped into the stand into the government standard and go, oh, and, and you know, a government standard, man. There's a lot of there's a lot of opportunity for that to be dysfunctional. Um, but it was awesome, and I was reading it, and going, you know what? I don't think anybody's read this because most of the government's people I run into are not working this way. Well, they've read <laughs> they've read bits of it. Yeah, the standards people spend so much time on that stuff, and it's so well thought out and so carefully put together that it is really solid. And I think that people, they read like the Cliff Notes version and adopt one third of that and then say it doesn't work in the same way they do with many other practices yeah. inside well, and outside and, of and, project. And they, yeah, they misinterpret it, right? And I think, and, I, and I, that I think is one of the challenges is that, you know, you, I can see how some people are misinterpreting the the governance standards to, to be, you know, phenomenally bureaucratic. Yeah. Uh, but Nowhere does it say to do that in that standard, and they're pretty clear to not do that in my mind. And it was phenomenally well aligned with what we'd been been talking about in DA because we had always focused on practical um, governance strategies in DA, and the, and the standard is exactly that. If you choose to interpret it that way, yeah, I think that's where it sort of falls apart. And and, and one of our um, in one of our messages in DA was always. You know, if you want a pra- you know, if you want practical governance, if you want practical risk management, or you know, practical X, you need to have practical people interpret the appropriate guidelines. And if you have bureaucratic people interpreting those guidelines, you'll end up with a with a bureaucratic response. Yeah. And I think that's what's unfortunately happened in a lot of organizations is they the practical people were too busy, you know, doing practical things to you know leverage the and to fully you know, properly implement some of these standards. <laughs> And um, and the organizations have really suffered as a result. So if people want to learn about the disciplined agile certifications or just in general, I mean, there's there's e-learning programs and, and virtual training as well, right? Like yes. Um, training? Yeah, exactly. I should have mentioned that. The um, So the, the disciplined agile scrum master, there's e-learning for that as well as uh, instructor-led training. Um, right now, almost all the instructor-led training is virtual for you know obvious reasons. Yeah. Uh, maybe all of it. The and then there's uh, and there's also a, a virtual version of the uh, the Disponential Senior Scrum Master as well. Um, so both okay. those certs you can um, you know, both those workshops um, lend themselves to to virtual training. Um, the and those I, they can get through an REP, not just through PM. I mean, like through is it a yes. PMI thing or an REP thing? Um, it's a PMI thing, but uh, the authorized training partners now um, oh, sorry. are able to, to, to also offer them as well. Okay. They're called authorized training partners, not REPs. Uh, yeah. yeah so, sorry about that. Repeat program. Old school. Repeat. Yeah. You're old school. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. And the new pin box coming out this summer, yes. which I am really, I can't wait. I mean, this sounds super ultra geeky, but I'm excited to see it and see how these things have been put together. Uh, I think yeah. it'll be really cool. It's interesting. It's roughly half agile hybrid, um, agile and or hybrid. Now, I, I won't right. get the I won't get the the um, uh, percentages right, but it's something like thirty percent agile, twenty percent hybrid, and fifty percent traditional, or you know something along those lines. So it's it's roughly half and half traditional and you know some sort of agileish, um, agile and lean. Um, yeah. So it's it's really strengthens both sides, I would imagine. Strengthens both sides. It's it's very, very healthy. Um I think and rightfully so, you should be excited about it. It's you know, there's some really good stuff there. Yeah. 
<laughs> says one project management geek to another. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you've got some webinars coming up too, right? I want to make sure we mention those. Yeah, I do. So I'm, I'm constantly um, giving webinars to user groups and um, uh, particularly PMI chapters. Uh, you know, just the other day I spoke at a, at a professional development day. So just, you know, reach out to your chapter, you know, whatever chapters you're involved with, um, you know, ask if, uh, you know, ask them what, what they've got going. And, um, you know, if they don't have any DA uh, presentations coming up in the next couple of months, uh, ask them to reach out to us and um, put in a speaker request and we can hopefully... Uh, Hopefully, cool. but yeah, just uh, I, I I do a, a webinar at least once a week for you know wow. various user group around the world. So. Okay, cool, thank you. And you got the blog, which I'll make sure we include a link to because okay. it's going to be sitting in the same area where this thing is posted about. Um, what if people want to reach out to you directly? What's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, so um, find me on social media. I'm easy to find on LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, not as good about um, checking on a social media lately. I've been so busy, but uh, I hope to get a little bit better at that. But if if you want me to speak at your chapter or user group or you know whatever you're into, then uh, put in a speaker request uh, via PMI.org. There's a um, there's a. I can page. include a link to it. They can yeah, in their show notes if they want that. Yeah, that would cool. be great. All right, Scott, this was great. Thank you very much for taking time out for this. Oh, thanks. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Always happy to talk with you. Yeah. If you learn to 